Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Hey again, everybody. I'm your host, Chris Caraggio. This is the Healthcare Executive Podcast from American College of Healthcare Executives. We are so, so pleased today to have our guest, Keller Renato. He's going to join us, uh, some of you might know already, on March 22nd as the keynote speaker for the opening session of ACHE's Virtual Congress on Healthcare Leadership. Again, that's March 22nd. Registration for Congress is now open at ache.org slash Congress. A little bit about Keller, and there's so much about Keller uh, before we actually start our conversation, but just let, let me give you a, a brief bio, if you will. Uh, Keller was a robotics and healthcare innovator who is showing the world how drone technology can be used to actually save lives. He's the CEO and co-founder of Zipline, the largest commercial uh, autonomous system on earth, and that delivers life-saving medical supplies to hospitals and healthcare centers on demand. Keller is a former TED main stage speaker. He was named one of the 2019 Top 100 Next, spotlighting rising stars who are shaping the future. One of Fortune's 2019 40 Under 40, one of Fast Company's 2017 Most Creative People in Business, and he made Forbes' prestigious 2017 30 Under 30 list in consumer technology category. Now, Keller currently oversees a team of about 450 flight engineers and operators, formerly of SpaceX, Boeing, Google, and others. It's based in the San Francisco Bay Area and Rwanda, actually. Now, before founding Zipline, Keller was a software engineer with a special interest in robots and autonomous systems. He's a graduate of Harvard University. He built computers out of the RNA and DNA that operate in human cells as molecular doctors and published this research actually in Nature Biotechnology, becoming one of the youngest first authors in that publication's history. Keller, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. It's great to meet you. Could you have done more, by the way? Do you want me to read more of your bio? Because you, I mean, again, <laughs> thank you so much. You have done so much at such a young age, and I would imagine there is so much more to come for you. So once again, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. And you're the perfect guest, because let, let's just start. Let's just, again, your company, Zipline, it delivers medical supplies on demand. And I know it, it does that in multiple areas around the world. Rwanda, I, I see that operations have begun in India and the Philippines. And on the website, let's talk about this first, Keller, because it, it states, quote, where you live shouldn't determine whether you live. Boy, that is, that is a powerful, powerful statement. And, and can you tell us really how, it's striking, but can you tell us, share how that came about and how you kind of incorporate that and how that drives your company? That's the mission of Zipline. We as we were starting to build these autonomous systems and realizing the impact they could have in healthcare in any country in the world, well, we had to learn a lot about healthcare, obviously. And one of the things that I think, unfortunately, has been just an enduring truth of healthcare is that uh, there are just different kinds of access in different areas. So these disparities exist not only across countries, obviously, but they also exist within countries. So people who live in rural areas are much less likely to have access to uh, advanced kinds of cares than, than people care than people who live in cities. 
there are often higher rates of maternal mortality. Uh, there are access issues for um, you know, certain geographic regions of countries. And, and a lot of these access issues depend on logistics or, or depend on how close you live to a hospital or how close you live to a primary care facility. And you may go to a primary care facility, they may not have what you need and you get referred to a hospital, but you don't wanna go. Um, there are just so many ways that I think healthcare systems today, especially in the instance of a pandemic, are starting to try to figure out how do we extend the reach of healthcare, of the healthcare system, uh, either out to primary care facilities that are close to where people live or directly to the home. And obviously this is a mission that applies in the countries where we started. I mean, Zipline actually started our operations, as you mentioned, in Rwanda and Ghana, but it also applies to the countries, countries like the United States, where we launched this year, um, and where you know we, this kind of technology, delivering medicine instantly to primary care facilities or homes, can have a really big impact on access and actually resolve some of those disparities and inequalities that have existed in the healthcare system for hundreds of years. Hey Keller, can you give us a little overview of how Zipline works and and you know what sorts of ideas drive the company and actually how you've been able to help hospitals and clinics serve patients during the pandemic. Zipline is an instant delivery system for medicine. And really the, the service we're providing to hospitals and hospital systems is teleportation. We try to as closely approximate teleportation as possible. We're doing that using small autonomous airplanes. They weigh about 40 pounds, they're fully electric. They can fly on their own from one of our distribution centers at over 100 kilometers an hour straight out to one of the health facilities we serve deliver a package and then come back. And so this enables any doctor, nor nurse, or even uh, eventually patient to, if they need something, they can basically press a button on a phone and the thing is teleported from a central warehouse directly to their GPS location. It was always kind of a dream in our head. We always thought, you know, we also think this probably makes healthcare systems much more resilient to disasters. But uh, until this year, we didn't have you know, a great example of that. You know, during the pandemic, a lot of even traditional routine vaccinations actually uh, stopped happening, both because patients didn't want to travel to hospitals or primary care facilities to get vaccinated, or uh, a lot of nurses and community health workers or, or vaccination workers actually didn't show up to work. And so this was an example where some of the traditional supply chains in healthcare actually stopped working because in certain ways they depend on you know humans doing something at a specific time. And this was an example where Zipline was able to step into the gap. And so we actually saw the numbers of vaccines that we were delivering via Zipline system go up by about 10x during the first few months of the pandemic uh, while, we, while we were serving all the other use cases that we tr serve uh, in a traditional time. It basically gives you a way of making sure that patients are gonna have access they need even when the traditional supply chains are breaking down. Great, great. Thank you for that. Okay, let's talk about this. In March uh, 2021, coming up soon, you're going to be the keynote speaker. We mentioned this uh, for ACHE's Congress on Healthcare Leadership. And the theme this year is reimagine. And now Zipline started as a different company. You've already kind of alluded to all that, one dedicated to um, a, a building of, of a physical product, a toy robot. However, you recognize pretty quickly that the model was was on its way out, I guess, and you needed to reimagine, if you will, pivot your mission to succeed and grow. Um, can you tell us more about, about how you kind of thought about that movement, thought about that pivot, that adjustment, and then Zipline took off, like we mentioned, almost 450 or about 450 employees right now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
when it comes to entrepreneurship and doing something new, doing something unprecedented, you're never going get, to get it right on the first try. I think this is a universal truth that I've, I've discovered. And I think that that means you, know, you need to be flexible and thoughtful and self-critical. And you also need to like not expect perfection on day one. Um, and this has very much become like the DNA of our company, like a willingness to kind of like think it through and, and just try it out. And the reality was, you know, when we started building robots on the floor of my apartment, I mean, we weren't intentionally trying to create a company. We didn't know what we were doing. Seemed like a cool thing to do. You know, some of our friends started buying these robots. We accidentally basically sold like a million dollars worth of robots um, over the course of the first couple of years. And um, throughout that period, uh, we were starting to learn we're just basically starting to figure out okay like it seemed amazing to us that no company had really created a cons like a great consumer facing robotics company we thought the more and more we looked at that problem the more and more we became fascinated with logistics because logistics is very boring <laughs> and actually boring is what you want when it comes to robotics because you want tasks that are repeatable and predictable and sort of the same thing over and over again that's the easy that's a very easy thing to train a robot to do and so uh, as we were looking at logistics and realizing that, geez, you know, somebody is going to build an automated logistics system for the planet. Uh, it seemed like technology was there. There were no more scientific breakthroughs required. You really just needed uh, to figure out how to get all of the engineering done to design something that was reliable and could operate in the real world and then obviously get regulatory approval for it. But from a mission perspective, the reason that we got so super excited about that vision was that especially when it comes to logistics. I think we've been making excuses for a long time. And because people don't have equal access to logistics, people don't have equal healthcare outcomes. And so for an example, uh, you know, five and a half million children under the age of five lose their lives every year due to lack of access to basic medical products in the developing world. This seemed like a problem that we could spend our whole lives working on and feel really, really proud if we could make a significant dent in. Uh, and so you know, we, we decided to really shape everything we were doing around this idea of, you know, if we can make logistics work for everyone, if we can build the first logistics system that will serve all humans equally, then that will have a huge impact on healthcare access and, um, and will save lives. So that was, you know, the thinking in the, in the very early days as we were starting to build all of this. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, just, just kind of to offshoot on that. I mean, look, look you're the co-founder. This was your dream. Can you... I mean, is this what in 2013, 2014, after you're building those robots on your apartment floor, okay, and then you realize the logistics and like you just laid out there, is this what you envisioned? Now, here we are in 2020, moving into 2021, and your company is saving lives uh, around the world in these underdeveloped countries, especially. Is this, this was the mission? This was, is this going the way you planned, I guess is my question. I don't think that I, <laughs> that's a hard question to answer. I mean, when we were getting started, I don't, I didn't really necessarily believe that this was even possible. I mean, it, again, it seemed like a cool thing to do and why not try it? But, you know, I would joke with our team in the early days when we were like five people, six people, seven people, people you know, I said, I think we have a 1% chance of success. <laughs> we, 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 we had thought about this vision of, you know, build like the first logistics, the first logistic system that would serve all humans equally and build the first automated logistics system for the planet. But it seemed so, I mean, it was so unprecedented and weird. And so many people in the early days told us like, oh, this is never going to work. A lot of experts actually <laughs> in healthcare told us this will never work. No one will ever pay for it. It'll never be reliable. The technology won't work. And so I think that we felt like the chances of success were low, but 
the size of the opportunity and the size of the impact we could have if it worked was so huge that we almost had to do it. And over the last seven years, as we have kind of knocked down risk after risk and we've iterated and we've improved the product and we've signed new contracts and we've built the team out, I think probably, you know, that probability has gone up. I don't know how far it's gone up, but yeah, you know, I, I was actually talking to the team. I mean, I think, you know, today it's probably between like 30 and 50% uh, chance that, that Zipline is that company, which is totally mind blowing to me. But also important to realize, you know, that's still a 50% chance of succeeding and not succeeding. So in, in, in some more conservative circles, people would say, that's crazy. Like, that's not a good idea. Like, why are you doing that? That's very risky. But, you know, for us, I mean, we get to, we get to, I mean, the, the thing that drove us that entire time was getting to meet patients who were receiving the service, who were loving it, um, or who's, you know, who, who, who were alive or their kids were alive because they had received these deliveries um, when they had these emergency deliveries of blood transfusions or infusions or cancer therapies or what have you. Uh, and I think that that is always the thing that has kind of encouraged us, even though what we're doing is risky and scary and very, very hard. That's the thing that has enabled us to stay focused and continue to make progress. And it's also been very, very like clarifying. It aligns the team around one clear thing that we know we all really believe in deeply and want to accomplish. And so in many ways, like every single person at Zipline is aligned around like magnets around that true north, which is the mission of the company. I think that's a great piece of advice for entrepreneurs and, and business people in general, whether you're in healthcare or not, to have that one that one spot to align around, like like you said, and 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 kind of it, it decreases all that clutter. Uh and 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 what you were talking about, the the one percent going to the thirty to fifty percent, I guess that's just a lesson in perseverance and and like you said, being flexible and being being just um I guess dedicated and had that courage to 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 push forward, uh, and Zipline is is a, a major success. Whether whether you want to say thirty fifty percent, it's already done amazing things. So that that's why again we're so happy to have you on here. Let me ask you about this specifically healthcare. Now, um, leaders have had to balance innovation with fiscal concerns, obviously. Plus, you got to throw in quality, safety metrics, all that stuff. What is your advice? for how to spur innovation within a specific organization or a field that's facing all the challenges I just mentioned and probably more right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, that is absolutely true of a lot of the healthcare systems that Zipline is already working with in the US. So, you know, earlier this year, we announced that uh, a partnership with Navant Healthcare, uh, and then we actually launched with them in uh, outside of Charlotte to basically be serving the Charlotte area. They have a whole bunch of hospitals and health facilities uh, in Charlotte, and w- our, our goal is eventually to serve all of them. Um, today, we're serving a few. Uh, we'll also be announcing a couple more partnerships uh, early next year with other big hospital systems across the U.S. And so, always these, you know, we're, we're always working with them to basically balance. Most of them really do. We find very mission driven, very mission aligned with what I've been talking about. They want to have better patient experience, better patient outcomes, and also reduce some of the disparities that you see between people who, you know, may be either, you know, less wealthy, live in different parts of the city or live in more rural areas. Like a lot of these health systems want to balance access as much as possible, but also are obviously needing to show strong financial results and need to make sure that whatever they do is going to have really, really strong, um, you know, financial ROI associated with it. So one of the things that we work with really closely, I think actually, you know, 
people underestimate the degree to which more efficient logistics can actually in- enable all kinds of new modes of care, increasing your percentage of uh, the specialty pharmaceutical market that you're capturing out of your own pharmacy, as opposed to writing someone a prescription, then they go online and order it from you know another big healthcare company, like a national healthcare company that's going to deliver to their home. So it, basically enabling it so that practically the, the, the medical product is waiting for the patient when they get home, and then they're sort of like subscribed and getting it from your own pharmacy as a hospital system is, a, is a, another big way that like patient interest and healthcare system interest, they are aligned. Like it is a way both for hospitals to uh, make more money or save money by reducing readmissions, but also patients are obviously going to love this kind of experience. I think obviously that's something that healthcare systems, you know, I think generally maybe people tend to think that healthcare systems don't care about patient experience or it's inefficient or it's relying on the patient to go wait in line or, you know, it's just not respectful of people's time. But actually we, we see a lot of hospital systems in the U.S. starting to really change the way, like change, change the um, narrative there. Because obviously there's kind of this sense that like, okay, Amazon has sort of redefined consumer expectations around convenience and speed and time. And I actually think there's really exciting change that we're going to see. And I think the pandemic is only accelerating this, that as healthcare systems start to figure out how do we treat patients close to where they live? How do we, you know, use more of a consumer-ish type experience where, you know, we're delivering directly to the home or enabling home health care or using a home health care nurse to show up and help patients or we're making it possible to do more at a primary care facility so a hospital doesn't have to be uh, referred to a hospital as often. All of these things ultimately serve the interests of an experience that patients are actually going to love. And that also gets us really, really excited. I mean, I think that that's obviously, you know, a big part of driving financial results for hospitals is also just patient loyalty. And having patients who are not only having great out great great health outcomes, but also who are like loving the experience, engaging with the healthcare system. Yeah, just like you said, align. It's 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 an unbelievable thing. But when you can do it, boy, aligning that patient experience with the with the healthcare system experience, like you said, and, and I know Zipline. That's that's that that's what you guys do and are doing. One last question, Keller. Um, uh, let's let's go back. I, I mentioned the upcoming keynote of, of the Congress on Healthcare Leadership in March. You're going to be addressing healthcare leaders from from ar- around the country. What what do you and I know you've spoken so many times, so this is right up your alley. What you're going to do on the 22nd, but what do you hope that 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 the the the, the viewers take away from your presentation and, and bring back to their own communities in terms of of, of patients and healthcare systems? I guess there are two things. You know, one is that I think a lot of people think this is an impossible place to innovate, or it's it's very slow. All change is going to be slow, very risk averse, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, we have actually found that that is not a fair characterization. <laughs> we are working you know, like the hospitals that we're working with today, especially with the pandemic. I think are realizing that they need to do. 10 years or 15 years of healthcare system transformation in one year. And so in many ways, I think the pandemic is almost taking the handcuffs off and enabling people to dream a little bit bigger um, and be a little more ambitious about saying, look, like the whole way of doing things is not going to work. Like, you know, requiring every people to, you know, take half of their day or an entire day and come into a hospital where it's, you know, during a pandemic, possibly the most dangerous possible place for an immunocompromised or elderly person to go, uh, you know, basically everybody is, is, is flipping the script and figuring out, okay, you know, if we have to go be really innovative, we have to move fast, how are we going to do that? And obviously 
telepresence is a really huge part of this. I mean, we're, uh, you know, some of the systems we're talking to have actually 100x their telepresence visits in the last 12 months alone. But you know, Zipline and instant delivery are the other half of that coin. It's the other half of telepresence. So it's like if you can, you know, talk to a doctor and quickly, you know, get diagnosed or figure out what's going on, and the doctor can quickly write you a prescription. The other half is like, great, that's going to be on your doorstep in the next five minutes. Moving fast like that requires a willingness to try and fail and then fix and then sort of iterate your way towards something great. And I think people have a sense that in healthcare, everything has to be perfect from day one because you, you know, because obviously you can't risk people's lives or health. But actually, I think there are lots of different ways that you can actually do things that are, um, you know, that are rough drafts or you can try new things um, while, while basically protecting patient health. The last big thing that I would mention that you know is really important uh, to 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 us is I think that there is this expectation that those healthcare disparities we talked about a few minutes ago that it's sort of just like the DNA of every healthcare system on earth that people who live in rural areas or people who are less wealthy are going to have worse access to medicine and healthcare and we think that this is really not a this is this is something that only you know, seems to us like it is the, the case today because we've never seen a different version of the story. We, you know, when we look back, it will seem barbaric that we ever accepted this as a state of the world. Um, but I, I think that over the next 10 to 15 years, you'll see these healthcare disparities go away um, as logistics makes it possible to serve every single human on earth equally. Um, and, you know, that's incredibly exciting to us. That's not only our mission, but it's the change that we want to drive in the world. And I also think that there are a lot of other things that healthcare systems could be doing uh, at the same time to, uh, to affect that sort of change. Well, um, Keller Renato, you were certainly uh, leading the way in so many different areas when it, comes to, when it comes to this. That's why we were so happy to have you on this podcast. We are so, so happy that you're going to uh, deliver the uh, keynote address in March. We're looking very much forward to that. Again, all the thanks for taking the time to discuss these important topics today. We really appreciate it. Thanks. It's an honor. And just one more reminder about ACHE's Virtual Congress on Healthcare Leadership on March 22nd. Registration for Congress is now open at ACHE.org Congress. All right. We'll see you next time on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org.